from the studios of Adventist World Radio in Pune. A very warm welcome to you. This is the international service in English from Adventist World Radio in Pune. On our broadcast today, we have music. Followed by a story for children. With more music coming in, you will also hear a short message from God's Word. This is Maureen. I'm your host, Sharad. And you are listening to Adventist World Radio, The Voice of Hope. Let's begin our program with a song. You are listening to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope from Pune, India. And now it's time to James hear a story. Cook. Dear listeners, today we are going to learn something important from the life of a person called James Cook. Lieutenant James Cook opened a small black box containing his instructions from the British Admiralty and read them in silence. Hum... 
rather tall order i'd say he said at last you are to take three astronomers from the royal society to tahiti in order to view the passage of venus between the earth and the sun which is to take place june 3 1769 while there you are to make friends of the natives and draw maps and descriptions of the islands that part should be easy commented cook when he recently surveyed the st lawrence and mapped newfoundland after the scientists are finished in tahiti you are to open set of sealed instructions in the black box all the time you are gone you are to look after your crew's health and keep your ship safe that's going to be the hard part cook shook his head besides 11 passengers he had been given a crew of 83 twice the number needed to sail a ship the size of the endeavor in those days it was expected that more than half the crew would die of scurvy or other perils of the voyage there will be strict health rules on this ship cook told the assembled crew the ship must be kept spotlessly clean and well aired everyone is to drink lots of water you are to eat fresh fruits or vegetables every day you will be issued daily doses of lemon juice to prevent scurvy we have a goat on board to supply us with fresh milk daily as a result of cook's health rules 56 of the 95 returned home safely their 3 year journey took them around the world they explored tahiti new zealand and australia compared that with megalens voyage he started with 5 ships and 277 men only one ship with 18 men returned to spain the ratio of survival was 6 men out of 100 on cook's voyage 60 out of 100 survived 10 times as high a ratio so dear listeners god wants us all to be healthy and happy that's why he gives us health rules When we break those rules we will surely suffer. Can you name some of God's health rules? Thank you for a inspiring story. Friends, God's word is our guide to success. It teaches us the truth and equips us with the skills and understanding to live life to the fullest. Indeed, dishonesty, jealousy, anger, hatred, revenge, avarice, prejudice, selfishness and exploitation are shown to be factors which destroy peace within the individual in relationship and in society dear listener love understanding forgiveness reconciliation acceptance of one's fault generosity personal commitment to justice and peace are upheld as values which can guide a young person throughout life and bring peace and harmony on earth when they are practiced by all well friend to learn more on god's word you're welcome to write to us on adventist world radio post box number 17 pune 411 001 
Maharashtra, India. You can also email us on Adventist Media Center at gmail.com. Do follow these programs on our website that is awr.org slash English program. Before you hear God's word, here's another song. I feel quite sure if I did my best I could maybe impress you With tender words and harmony A clever rhyme or two But if all I've done in the time I feel that what I've been called to do is someone else I want you to see. Will you love Jesus more when we go our separate ways? When this moment is memory. Will you look back and realize 
Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. An organization that tracks uh, persecution in the church today throughout mm-hmm. the world. Their report is that more people are being martyred today than at any other time in Earth's history. And wow, it, what, that's hard to believe, isn't it? Because it, it of is. the Inquisition and all of that. Oh, it yeah. Would, so many, yeah. in fact, some reports say that during a 1260 year period, as many as 50 to 80 million Christians were, were put to death for mm-hmm. their faith. Um, that was, of course, a long time ago. But to say that that many people are dying today is interesting. Yeah. I, I think that one of the causes for that is the fact that there's so many more, more people, people in yeah. the world today. Mm-hmm. And so percentage wise, it may be fewer, but still, that's a large number of people that yeah, are being put to death. Sometimes in, in the Western side of the world, we don't realize that's what right. a fierce persecution there is out there. That's right. And there is fierce persecution. There are some places where accepting Christ as your Savior is a death sentence. You are going to die. Mm-hmm. And we don't always recognize that here. And you don't hear that on the news media. I don't know why. It's just not popular to report. But mm-hmm. that is true. There are places where that is the case. You receive Jesus and you have a death sentence. But you said that you also want to talk about when the persecution comes from yeah. within the church. What is that about? Sometimes I think that's even more fierce because there's no zealot like a, a religious zealot. Mm-hmm. And when sometimes your uh, faith in Christ is different than mine or your belief in God is different than mine, I can persecute you with a religious zeal that knows no bounds. And, wow, and that can be extremely intense. Yes. It's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, as I study the Gospels, for example, mm-hmm. that the most fear uh, position that Jesus found, he found it from the religious leaders of his time. The religious time. leaders of the time. And many right. times uh, because they wanted to monopolize a grace per se and they would mm-hmm. say with what authority are you doing this mm-hmm. they would say to Jesus you you haven't come into the temple you're here forgiven sins who do you, you think you yeah, are you're healing people what, what authority do you use to do this yes and so many times Jesus had to actually challenge the persecution from within and I actually think that if we go over all the stories of Jesus we will find that the 90% of the opposition he received it was from within the church. And, you know, that's very disconcerting um, because, you know, we if you take up the cause of Christ, you expect persecution from outside the church. Hmm. But when it comes from within, it is extremely disheartening and it is extremely confusing because you thought, aren't we all on the same side? Yeah, yeah. Didn't God call me to do this? And yet here you're persecuting me because of what I'm doing for Christ. Yeah, and this is the case uh, with Paul as we follow him now on his second missionary journey. He has crossed over to Macedonia and from here he will go to to two very religious synagogues that we have in that area, Thessalonica and then Berea. I had the privilege, actually, of being in both of these cities and, and going to the places where it is believed that, that Paul was uh, going through. And Thessalonica had a, quite an established synagogue um, and they will really, really, they will go after Paul here. And in fact, um, we mentioned this when we dealt with First and Second Thessalonians, how Paul was there only a short time to establish that Christian church, whether he was there only three weeks because he preached in the synagogue for three Sabbaths or whether he was there a little bit longer but and started preaching in synagogues later, we don't know. But it was still a short time. But the persecution was so intense that he had to leave after mm-hmm. his third sermon in the synagogue. And by the way, we still want to encourage you to, as you go to, through 
through the book of Acts, also read uh, letters of Paul that relate to the churches mm-hmm. that we're going through as he is in his missionary you find journeys. Some, you yes. find some wonderful insights there uh, from Acts towards those letters, but the letters give you insight into Acts as well. So we're going to start reading now on Acts chapter 17, where Paul is going to go to the synagogue in Thessalonica, specifically to preach the gospel in verse 3 of the same chapter. All right. Uh, Explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But again, as we have seen before, the Jews became jealous. And again, we're using this term Jews. Scripture is using this to refer specifically to the Jewish leaders in the region. Yes. Because remember, members of the synagogue were Jews and they they were accepting it. God-fearers were Gentiles who believed in God, and they were accepting this message. But now some of the Jewish leaders were the ones who are turning against Paul and his message. And they're called wicked here because, mm-hmm. as Mike said before, sometimes when people do atrocities in the name of religion, they are so zealous and, and jealous mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that they almost have no uh, boundaries. And it says here, uh, but the Jews, verse 5, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. Now, this is very similar to what happens to Jesus when the religious leaders of Mm -hmm. the Jews go to the authorities of the city to try to get them on their side so that these people can be exterminated. That's right. So they can use the authority of Rome with the soldiers in order to persecute Christ or to put him to death. And here they're using a mob in order to try to persecute Paul and Silas to get rid of their influence in the city. Verse 6 of chapter 17 is one of those verses that has been legitimized by archaeology because uh, Luke says here that they brought them to the city authorities. Mm-hmm. And he uses a word, a Greek term, the Greek term is politarch, which means city ruler, that nobody had ever found in any other literature of the time. Mm-hmm. So they thought that Luke was not a legitimate book because he was using names that they yeah. couldn't find yeah, anywhere Luke else. Luke was not a legitimate author who wrote the Gospel of Luke and also Acts, but because here and Acts, he's using this, this Yes, name. he uses here and he uses it on verse mm-hmm. 8 of the same chapter. And it's the only two places in all of the New Testament where we find this right. polytarch. But in 1835, um, it was found in an arch here in Thessalonica. Um, it's called the Vander Arch, where they actually found that this inscription was there talking about the authorities of the city uh, mm-hmm. here in this area. And the arch was destroyed in 1867, but the actual block that has the inscription of polytarch of the mm-hmm. city authorities is now in the British Museum. And since then, they found about 16 other inscriptions in Macedonia using this. And this legitimized, actually, the Book of Acts and Luke as the author. That's great. All right. So anyway, they, uh, they're coming after Paul and says, and Jason was, has welcomed them and that they all uh, are acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. These are the accusations that they're bringing against Jason and all these people as they're dragging them before the authorities, saying there is, no, no, there is another king, and that is Jesus. So they're accusing them of insurrection and of treason. And after that, uh, Paul has to actually uh, is, be sent away by the people. In verse 10, it says, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, Berea is, is a city close by mm-hmm. and it's very funny because uh, it says here that when they arrived, they went to the synagogue and they were more noble-minded, it says, than those in Thessalonica. <laughs> but guess what? 
uh, in verse 13, the Jews of Thessalonica follow them follow all the over. way to the Berea to and Berea. they still make an uproar. I mean, how vicious religious people it, can be, isn't they it? They really were vicious. But, you know, in their hearts, they thought they were doing the right thing because they're stamping out this heretic. But there, there is nothing worse than, than someone who feels that they're right and that God is on their side when they're persecuting someone else. And, and God is going to protect Paul because he has given him this mission. That doesn't mean he's not going to suffer or go through difficulties, you know. Because this, Paul does that. He suffers. He goes through absolutely. difficulties. Absolutely. He is beaten. He is shipwrecked. He is imprisoned mm-hmm. over and over again. The fact that you face opposition in difficult times does not mean that God is not with you. You know, I have sometimes uh, faced opposition within my ministry, and mm-hmm. it probably is harder than anything else for me when it comes from within my team or within my church or mm-hmm. within my elders. And um, many times I have gone back to some of the prophets uh, that this happened, and, and the prophet Jeremiah is coming to mind. You know, Jeremiah was called in a very difficult time in Israel, and God tells him, you're going to find opposition from your own people, from the kings of Judah, from the princes, even from the priests of the church. And here Jeremiah is called to witness to these very people. He's called to bring God's word to them, to bring them to, to his own people, to his own people. And they are the ones who are going to persecute him for the word that he brings to them. Let me read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 17 to 19, because I became a motto in my ministry, and I actually drew a logo, a logo for myself from these verses. It says on verse 17, now... Gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, and this is what God promises Jeremiah, I have made you today a fortified city, a pillar of iron and walls of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah, to his princes, to his priests and to the people of the land. They will fight against you. But they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Mm. Isn't that what a, wonderful a wonderful promise? wonderful promise, you know, that he's going to make you a strong metal so that when they shoot at you, it just bounces off. Now, it doesn't mean you won't be hurt. It doesn't mean that the persecution won't come. But he's saying, I'm going to help you to endure. There's nothing like when people that know you most discourage you the most. Um, I want to tell you, if you find yourself in a family system right now mm-hmm. or in a workplace where you are finding opposition from within, we want to tell you that God is the one that is with you and will fortify you. He might not remove you from that, no. but he will make you a fortified city with, with you know, a bronze iron wall. You know, The key is for you to make sure that you are following God's leading, that your message and your actions are according to Scripture, that they are not self-serving, that they are not self-delusional, but that you are following what God has called you to do, and this is based upon God's Word. And if you are faithful to God's calling and to God's Word, then trust that God will deliver you even from the hands of those who persecute you. Yeah, Jesus finished the Beatitudes in that way in Matthew 5. He says, if you're being persecuted for your faith, rejoice, because that is the way that they persecuted also the prophets that were before you, and Jesus was persecuted in that way. Persecution is real in the world today. Uh, people are forfeiting their lives, and in other places, people are just experiencing extreme difficulty and extreme pressure. Whatever the case for you, understand that you are to hold fast to the Word of God, hold fast to your calling, trust Him, and He will see you through even the difficult times. He may not take it away, but He will see you through. Isaiah 41, verse 10, again. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. May God bless you as you believe in His presence 
and may he strengthen you each day let's pray our loving and living heavenly father we thank thee for life we thank thee for the blessing thou has bestowed upon each one of us we want to claim your promises of your ever abiding presence with us lord bless us with your presence and with thy holy spirit may we be strengthened to accept your presence with us daily in jesus holy name we pray amen Dear listener, what promises does the Bible contain and how can they affect us? Let's take a look at the text that is found in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 where it says, All honor to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is by his boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege of being born again. Now we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. With this, we have almost come to the end of our program. 
to know more on God's word, we would love to receive your letters on Adventist World Radio, Post Box Number Seventeen, Pune, Four One One Zero Zero One, Maharashtra, India. You can also write to us on Adventist Media Center at Gmail dot com. You may also follow all our programs on our website, that is awr dot org slash english program this is your host sharad and i'm maureen signing off from adventist world radio do join us again along with your family and friends until then we wish you good health and a happy home goodbye and god bless you <laughs>